Turner from to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's the winner. That's the winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals. Smith parks one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. And the Cardinals have won the game by the score of three to two. And a home run by the Wizard. Swinging a long one into left field. Adios, goodbye, and maybe that's the winner. A three-run homer by Clark, and the Cardinals lead by the score of seven to five, and they may go to the World Series on that one, folks. What a team! What a ride! The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. Welcome to That's a Winner Podcast. I am Ryan Jenkins. As always with me is Josh Brown. And tonight is with us is Kyle Reese, uh, the aficionado of prospects, all things Cardinals prospects. Uh, don't make that face. That's everything, right? Whenever I look at uh, Twitter and I look at your name, I know you're going to tell me what I need to know about upcoming prospects. So thanks for joining us, Kyle. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for that absolute lie of an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Kyle, we love, I mean, following you, man. You're one of the great followers. I know you tell people, don't tell, you know, tell people don't follow me, but you should if you want to know about the Cardinals prospects. And you're a guy, obviously, that, that's watching these games all throughout the the, the season. Got the minor, uh, the minor league uh, baseball live, you know, app and watching those streams of the games. I'm sure you've been watching a ton of spring training. Uh, we all have the game on tonight. So, I mean, kind of jumping into this, for you, maybe just to kick it off, I mean, you had a lot of guys option again today. Obviously, Juan Yepes was the big one. But who's kind of impressed you the most so far in spring training camp of the young guys? It's been a weird combo. You know, no one's really stood out, right? Uh, I think that's probably the first thing. There isn't somebody who is, like, knocking the door down. Connor Thomas, the left-handed pitcher, fifth-round draft pick in 2019 out of Georgia Tech. He's probably been maybe made the biggest impression of all of the prospects, all the guys who haven't made a major league debut. Um, you know, the, there's been some positive moments like, you know, Alec Burleson's two hit game, one hit against Scherzer, one hit against uh, DeGrom is probably the most standout of all of the performances so far, just because of the the gravitas, the, the, the levity that comes with getting hits off of two potential Hall of Famers in one spring game. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned yesterday that I thought Brendan Donovan has had a really solid spring. And we had people coming in in my mentions and saying, you know, he's hitting 190. He's hitting below 200. And he is. And he looked really bad against uh, Rodgers again tonight. Uh, he's struggling with the tough lefties. But I think that there's more that goes into a solid camp than just batting average. You know, uh, he's he needs to get back to being the hitter that he was at the minor leagues. But it's all been rushed. All of this this spring training has been rushed. It's harder right. to make an impression when you don't have a buildup to it all. And uh, it seems like a lot of these guys are trying to trying to build up. But yeah, you know, they, there's been some really solid and really interesting and uh, really good performances. But I, I think the the intrigue for me here, even Juan Yepes, you know, he, he had a couple of really good games, a couple of four straight really good games where he was hitting for extra bases and taking some walks. But no, none of those kids, none of those rookies were really um, – knocking the door down, uh, demanding to be brought north with the big club. Right. I think for me, that's the thought, right? I think if you if you had a guy like Yepes, say, for instance, who's just been tearing it up, lighting it up in camp like Paul DeYoung's had, you know, really good spring training. He had another three-run home run tonight. 
if you had a guy like Yepes lighting it up like that, do you think the Cardinals still go out and sign Albert Pujols? I do. And let me tell you why. Now, I'm usually not a conspiracy theorist. Oh, that's why, right? <laughs> uh, ticket sales, right? Ticket sales. Yeah. The, the, pool, the pools thing is really interesting to me. And I don't know how much you guys want to talk about minor league baseball and how much you're willing to, like, want to dove into the, the big club and just, like, fans' reaction to the big club. But, yeah, you know, I think – I think that if Juan Yepes had come out in that first week, in those first 15 at-bats and gotten 10 hits, then maybe the conversation would have been different. Uh, I think back on it now, and it seems to me that maybe when the Cardinals signed Corey Dickerson, that was the writing on the the wall to me, that there was going to be a righty, veteran righty, that would come in. Uh, I didn't think of it at the time. You know, it was hindsight 2020 kind of thing, but – it seemed like when they brought Corey Dickerson in, that might have been the first indication that they were also going to bring in a veteran righty who could have a platoon kind of split uh, at the DH depending on matchups. Uh, so, yeah, the, my answer is yes and no. I think with the 28-man roster, I think that Juan Yepes might have had an opportunity to earn a couple of at-bats here and there, maybe make the opening day roster. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Brendan Donovan. The same, you know, he could be kind of on the cutting block here. Um but they're not going to. Uh, maybe maybe Donovan will. Well, hopefully we'll see. But it doesn't seem like they're there yet. It doesn't seem like that's where they're at right now. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to say exactly how it all would have gone. But I think I think when we got a taste of what's happened with ticket sales after they signed Albert Pujols, uh, not to say that that was a catalyst. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that absolutely. Well, all the PR has been around that <laughs> with the ticket packs, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. So I – so the, I think um, on my biggest question when it comes to prospects is I've been hearing about guys for years and years and they never materialize, which is, you know, very common in, in baseball compared to other sports. So who's the next big superstar that is already in the Cardinal system that you think is going to be, you know, the big superstar that comes to the majors? I'm, I'm the cautious pessimist. Uh, I don't know if that <laughs> term exists. But, you know, I remind everybody that being a superstar at the major league level is, is as hard of a thing as you could ever be. Uh, yeah. We talk about ace a lot, like the ace of the staff is different than an actual ace, right? Uh, it's getting into the semantics of the minutia of the terms that we use. So the other thing is I always try to give context. I think that, time, you know, I think a lot of times people forget how hard it is to be a good major leaguer. And I think people forget how hard it is to be an average major major leaguer so you know i think getting an average player while not sexy while not uh boombastic uh it's a hard thing to become it's a hard thing to achieve which does nothing for the talent side but also speaks to the mental side of what it's like to be at the major league level it's a whole nother beast that when you you hear veterans talk about it you hear retirees talk about it you hear 4a guys talk about it uh september call-ups talk about it but when you get to the majors that, that psyche is on a, you have to be on a different level. Uh, and there's no way to define what that psyche, that next level psyche is, but you have to be there. And I guess it's probably different for everybody, but it's just something to keep in mind that it isn't always just easy to become an average player, more or less a superstar. Now with that in mind, to kind of give an idea, uh, again, creating context for, to answer your question, uh, ramble, to ramble on to answer your question, think about what we've seen in these last couple of years. We talked about Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson has a chance to be a superstar. Now, he's already 10% better than your league average. He's probably going to be 15 to 20, if not more, uh, a percentage better than your league average this coming year. 
I don't know if Cardinal fans will call that a superstar. You know, uh, I guess it depends on how he's doing it. If he hits 25 home runs and 280 or whatever, like maybe maybe that's a superstar. Uh, maybe, you know, looking back on the pitching side, Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty back in 2019, you know, he ended the season better than maybe any other pitcher has ever ended a major league season. You know, one of the best of all time. So I would say that with that in mind, neither of those guys are superstars. Neither of those guys are aces. Just to kind of create a little bit of context about how hard it is to become a superstar. I think up until, the, you know, it wasn't the first 12 years or 13 years of his career. It's been after the first 13 years of his career that Yadier Molina became a superstar. You know, it took finishing in the top three in MVP votes and or top five in MVP votes three times for him to even reach that level. And people still kind of shrug him off on that on that cusp. So uh, if I can, I'll say that I don't know if the Cardinals have a superstar because I also think superstar has to do with public opinion. What, I, right. what I'd like to say, yeah, I, I, exactly. I, what I'd like to say is that I think the Cardinals have a couple players that can be that can transcend the average level of major league effectiveness effectiveness. The first one, you know, is knocking on the door. You know, I, I think from an offensive perspective, even though there's a lot of stuff that he has to work on, I believe Juan Yepes has the chance to be your one, you know, from a weighted runs created standpoint, OPS plus between 115 and 120 a couple years, you know, living around 110 a couple years and then dipping down to league average a couple years. I, I think Nolan Gorman, I think this is going to be a big year for him in the minor leagues. At the end of the year last year, we saw him working on his approach. We saw him uh, incorporating home runs and not striking out as much, walking a little bit more, but that really tanked his average because he was changing the type of contact he was making. I think now as a 21-year-old entering his age 22 season uh, at Memphis, I think we're going to be able to see exactly what that looks like, You know, uh, see him finally blossom into his own. You know, last year asking him to play second base while learning how to adjust his approach at the two most difficult minor league levels was a big ask, and he rose to that challenge. This year, all they're asking him to do is play that position that he's transitioned to and continue to work on being the hitter that he was capable of being. So uh, I would suggest that there's a really good chance that in two or three years, we're talking about Nolan Gorman as a potential all-star. You know, uh, two years, Dylan Carlson is a potential all-star. If he's allowed to just hit uh, and only hit alone, maybe Juan Yepes is like a DH option as an all-star. Uh, again, to talk about him as options and as an all-star are different. But, uh, and then, of course, the, the guy that you look at, and he's 19 years old, and he still has struggle ahead of him because of the level he's at is Jordan Walker. You know, those, those are the three guys specifically uh, from, a, from a hitting standpoint that can be more than just slightly above league average on a regular basis. Uh, that come to my mind, which has nothing of some sleeper prospects that I'd also, you know, I'm really interested in that are hitting a big milestone year for themselves. Uh, and also says something maybe for the lack of potential pitching super upside that they have, super, super upside that they have uh, in the minor league. So sorry to rant on and ramble on, but uh, uh, yeah, that, that's just my thought on the whole superstar argument and what the Cardinals have in regards to it. Well, I was surprised, to be honest, that you said Yepes, to be honest, because we all know that he was he's on the cusp and was on the roster at the very end of the year. So, you know, we we knew that he was going to be making an appearance, but I'm surprised that you saw him as the possible, you know, all star and that sort of level. To me, it was more of um, thinking of him as time served guy that he's now due for his opportunity and not necessarily as the guy that might be the next dude to actually really perform but my you know we know Yepes and, and Gorman are right there so Jordan Walker you talk about he's 19 how many years do you think we have to wait to actually see Walker in the big leagues 
I think that if everything, if all the doors open for him, right? Because like, as we're seeing with Yepes, even a small little closure of the window makes it hard for you to assert yourself. As we've seen in the past with Cardinal prospects, uh, uh, Jose Adeliz Garcia, Randy Rosarena, you know, Luke Voigt was a different situation. Uh, Lane Thomas, even, who got plenty of at-bats but just couldn't put it together with the Cardinals as he worked through all of the side effects of COVID. Uh, it's all about the opportunity that presents yourself, is presented to you. You know, uh, that seems, especially with the Cardinals nowadays, it might not have necessarily been the case in 2001 when Albert Pujols uh, made his debut. Uh, and maybe even less so with Jordan Hicks when Jordan Hicks forced his way into it. But I think if everything works out perfectly for him, next next spring we'll probably be talking about him like we talked about Nolan Gorman entering this spring, which means that maybe by the end of next year, again, if all of the doors open perfectly for him, uh, that he's probably at Memphis knocking on the door. Um, I, I don't anticipate men, much in the way of a setback uh, for him. You, you can just watch him and his maturity and his game and his swing. Uh, there's some – there's some issues that he needs to work out specifically uh, working on <laughs> from a mental side of the game, working on not getting pissy when he doesn't get the strike calls that he wants. Uh, like he did that in spring and he did it a couple times last year. And when you're a 19 year old kid, it doesn't matter if you're a superstar or not, the umpires are going to make an example out of you. Uh, and then their crewmates are going to make an example out of you. Uh, and you're just digging yourself a hole. So he, he needs to get over that, of course. But at 19 year old, if I was, I would do it now. I'm 34 years old. I would have done it since 19, between the ages of 19 and 34, and I would have made a fool out of myself. Uh, so those are just like little things like that. But other than that, his approach and his game are big league. Uh, you know, if if in the right matchup, say that he went up against 30 at bats against major league lefties, he'd probably end up with eight hits against them, uh, depending on who the lefties were. Like that's that's kind of where his bat is right now. Like. Uh, he'll struggle with righties, you know, these next couple of years, but he's going to be a monster. He He's going to be a really, really good major leaguer. And, you know, more than likely, he's going to have to learn a corner outfield spot, uh, depending on timing, depending on what that means for Paul, you know, what Paul Goldschmidt looks like over at first. But uh, he's athletic enough and he's quick enough and he has a strong enough arm that he'll be able to handle that corner spot uh, fine. Yeah, Walker's one. I know, I mean, obviously the exit velocities, right, have jumped out a lot on off of his bat. Juan Yepes, I think the thing that struck me, because I watched a lot of um, the Arizona Fall League, tried to watch some of those games of him there. Man, when he, when he hits the ball, it seems like he barrels it almost every time. And I think that's why you saw, I mean, what, it was like 34 home runs, including the AFL last year that he knocked out. So, I think that's what's so exciting about his bat is the fact that he it just seems like he barrels up a lot of balls. And and with the DH now, right, the sky's the limit on what a, a guy like him could do. I want to pivot a little bit. I was checking out your, your dirty flirty today. Uh, if you guys don't know, Kyle Reese is with birdsontheblack.com, and you got to check their stuff out. It, it's fantastic. But your top 40 list, uh, I love that you had Gorman and Walker as 1A and 1B. You didn't want to go 1 and 2. But I love I love that. But let's talk a little bit about uh, there's another guy here in your top five that I wanted to get into some because I don't think a whole lot of fans know about him is Mason Wynn. Because you look at the shortstop depth, there's not a lot in the Cardinals system right now. And I think he's a guy uh, I know that a lot of um, things that I've read on him, including your, your write-up, which is fantastic, is the arm, right? He's, he's got a cannon, and not to mention he's a pitcher too, which they haven't really explored a lot of that yet. 
But how do you see a guy like Mason Wynn breaking in? Do you think he, they're just going to kind of stick with him at shortstop this year and, and lay off the pitching opportunities for him? Yeah, that is exactly what they are doing right now. That's uh, that is a fact. Uh, so last year he was still throwing, you know, doing kind of like side session bullpens, things like that. Uh, this year he is not. He is committed to being a shortstop full time. Um, he also, before we talk about him as a shortstop and him as a as a hitter, he also will have the ability if say in like three years he's hitting one twenty, uh, he'll be able to switch back to being a pitcher. His arms right. electric. He's athletic. Like this is, this is, you know, I view him as having the potential to be the shortstop of the future. Uh, again, you're talking about a 19 year old kid. Uh, there's a lot that can happen, a lot that could change, but uh, say in three years, he isn't the shortstop of the future. He's going to be a stud relief pitcher uh, in, in the present. Like his arm is so good and his stuff is really good too. And he, his arm is quick and his motion is repeatable. And sure, it's going to take him some time if he ever got back to being a pitcher to find those mechanics to get back into that. Uh, but he he's he just is such a raw and uh, super gifted baseball player. Like some kids have it, some kids don't. Uh, some kids have it on a level that none of us can understand. And he's just one of those guys. Um you know, we talked about his arm. As you brought up his arm, he has what is considered to be the best, the strongest arm in all of baseball, minor league or major league, which is special right there uh, from a shortstop perspective. It's, it blows Machado out of the water, blows Tatis out of the water. I mean, anybody that you want to put there, it blows out of the water. I think there's times when it's stronger than what I remember Rafael Fercal's arm being back when Rafael wow. Fercal was known for being an arm. I, you know, it's so tough to say because you're talking about HDTV. You're talking about uh, how you're perceiving motion when a camera's moving uh but it's you know it's it's something different it's just on a whole different level and he doesn't like have to wind up to throw he can just plant and throw uh and he has a little accuracy issue to work on it's not bad you know it's it, he's inaccurate one in every like 25 throws so it's not it's not a super issue but just like with anybody else he needs to continue to work on his footwork make sure he's planted throw use all the proper mechanics but yeah i do think i think that there's an option an opportunity that now that he is fully committed to playing shortstop and being a hitter, that we could see a guy with surprising pop. Uh, it might not be anything more than like an eight or a 10 home run season. But then again, his swing is tailored to be quick and short. And he has great uh, swing speed, bat speed. So you could see him jolting balls beyond his size because he's a small kid. You know, he's, I mean, I don't, I don't have his, his, his measurements in front of me, but if I had to guess, he's probably 5'10", 5'11", and he might weigh 155 pounds, 160 pounds. I know he's worked to put on more weight, but uh, and he he handles it better than Delvin Perez did at the same age when Delvin didn't have much weight on him. Um, so I think that there's some adjustments he needs to make. He got a little free swinging in Peoria, and that also caused him to swing really defensive late in counts. That's part of the reason why he struggled at Peoria. Um, by the time he made the debut in Peoria, and this should speak to how impressive Jordan Walker was too. Uh, but a lot of what was happening at the high A level was kind of like pitching heavy, pitching overpowering, uh, because a lot of the, the lower levels were had just sorted themselves out. Uh, and maybe even some of the double A guys who got advanced assignments had backfilled back to where they probably should have started. Uh, so it was it was a tough ask for any of the kids to 
to be at high A a year after they were or two years after they were drafted and the year after the loss of COVID. But, uh, you know, Mason Wood's a hard, a super hard worker, a super intelligent kid who's super charming. He's a team leader who gets the most out of his teammates. And uh, when you talk to his teammates about Mason Wynn, they'll be the first to tell you that what he is from an athletic standpoint, from a baseball player standpoint, is something special. Uh, and even they have trouble quantifying it. So, so it sounds like he's, um, his, you know, he's a, a great fielder, um, but not so much where his lacking would be at the plate. So would you compare him to more of a, I guess, Ozzie Smith type, uh, where cause he was not a you know big bopper by any means, and you know one of his most famous calls is a home run. But um, you know, is that more of where he probably lines up in the pantheon of Cardinals players? The thing to keep in mind about Mason Wynn, too, the thing that I always gloss over is how fast he is and how, you know, yeah. get, to, get to that baseball instincts, uh, that baseball IQ. He's good on the base pass. You know, he can steal some bases. Um, to say that he's defense first right now is, I think, probably fair. But I don't know if that necessarily properly categorizes what his potential is. Um, he, I mean, he's such a good defender. Just like with any other 19-year-old, he needs to work on consistency. He needs to work on... Uh, you know, just the consistency and the demands of such a difficult position. But so he'll probably always be like defense first because of how good he is, how good he's capable of being. But there is also, and then we saw this at Palm Beach when he was playing against talent that was probably a little bit more age appropriate or um, experience appropriate, specifically following 2020, the lost 2020 season, that you could understand that with an adjustment with continued adjustment where he might end up being something like Jose Iglesias uh, or, um, you know, I, I think his bat has the potential to be better. You know, maybe even, you know, I, I hate doing the, the floor, the ceiling. I hate doing the comp. I hate doing blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I would say that maybe even a couple of those really great, like Andrew Elton Simmons years could be his ceiling. If you wanted to play the ceiling game, uh, if you wanted to just like lump all of Simmons's offensive years into one, look at his like career average, I could definitely see that being something similar to what Mason Wynn is uh, when it's all said and done. If you know things go well, to get back to our conversation about how difficult it is to be even a league average player, um, but he he has a potential to do more than that, you know. And it might be one of those things where you don't. And it's something that I definitely came to realize where you don't actually really appreciate how good he is until you're watching him on a daily basis because he does all those little things that a lot of other guys don't even have, you know, even major leaguers that a lot of other, a lot of other baseball players at the highest level don't even have a feel for, you know, uh, getting in a position to make a cut. And since his arm's so strong, he can get the runner at third or get the runner at home. Uh, tagging, tagging from second or, or rather, pardon me, tagging from first on a fly ball to right field and making it into second. Uh, tagging from second on a deep fly ball to the wall that the center fielder catches at the wall, hits the wall, and he scores from second tagging from second. Uh, you know, stuff like that he might not be able to get away with at the major leagues and as he climbs a ladder. But those are the things he's capable of. Those are the things that we saw out of Randy Rosarena. You know, Rosarena would have been two or three years older at that point when he went, you know, hit the fly ball into the infield and score, had like an inside-the-park home run on the fly ball in the infield. Um it's just those little things that maybe we can't quantify just yet that as he grows into his body and his approach might have a chance of setting him apart from maybe just like, you know, a Pete Cosma type for a lazy comparison or a Brendan Ryan type. Uh, but that's always the chance that there's that too. 
Yeah. It seems like a lot of these guys, MLB.com, by the way, they, they've got his arm as the 80 grade, which I know is their highest uh, rating, the the run, the speed at 65. So kind of like you were talking about there, he's got the arm and the speed. I know he's been clocked at 98 uh, pitching. So, yeah, uh, he's a guy. He, he Nolan Gorman, uh, Jordan Walker, it seems like this will be kind of big years for them, seeing what they do with the bat for maybe most of a full season in the minors. I know Walker, I believe, is going to start out in double A. So, It'll be really interesting with some of those guys to see. One guy I wanted to switch gears to a little bit, and he's number, um, let's see here, he's number three on your prospects list, number four on MLB.com, is Yvonne Herrera. Um, am I saying that right? Is it Yvonne or Ivan? It's even like Hardy, even. so Yvonne. Hardy, okay, Yvonne, okay. So Yvonne Rodriguez, Yvonne, you know. Yvonne good, Herrera. Good, another good uh, catcher to go by. Yeah. <laughs> there you so, go. I mean, this is going to be a big season for him. I know he ended the the year at AAA, right? So he's going to he's going to be in AAA for for this whole season. Um, where do you see him right now? I mean, do you do you do you feel like he could be like the real heir apparent to, to Yadi Molina? Do you think that he's a guy? Because he's he's one that when I've looked up stuff on him, it seems like he's he's more bat. He's got the bat going a little more right now, maybe than he does the defensive side. What's kind of your take on Ivan Herrera? So uh, I want to give a quick shout out to one of the former writers for the Redbird Daily, a guy named Rusty Gropel or Gropel. Uh, Rusty, I used to say heir apparent a lot. Uh, and he corrected me once and I had never really thought about it. The term that we are looking for is heir presumptive. Uh, okay. <laughs> right? We're and getting, again, we're getting a grammar lesson here tonight. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I get caught up in the semantics of all of this, and it's you know it's uh, to dive even further into my psyche. So make sure you got a drink, um, it's because <laughs> I, I I understand from talking with players and from talking with people just how difficult it is to make it at the major leagues. And mm-hmm. I have I feel like I have a responsibility, which I mean it goes to show you how highly I think of myself that I feel like I have this grand responsibility, but. Uh, that I have this responsibility to help temper expectations and create that context. But yeah, I, I think that there's an argument to be made that in a couple of years, Avon Herrera is going to be a really good major league catcher. You know, uh, catching is the toughest position. We know that. I say that catching is the toughest position in all of professional sports. Um, you know, I think there's an argument to be made for other positions, goalie and uh, hockey, goalie and uh, maybe even soccer, um, you know, some some soccer positions where you're running around nonstop, uh, some defense, you know, there, there's plenty of arguments to be made, uh, quarterback. But I think a catching position is the toughest. And because of that, especially at the minor league level, when you're asking these guys to learn so much and change, that it's not until you get to the major leagues that you get your feet underneath you that you're getting reps and you're getting that actual experience where it finally all settles and it finally all coalesces and it finally all becomes applicable. So, just like with any catcher, and I feel like we could say this about Carson Kelly, uh, uh, even like even even uh, Tony Cruz back in the day, but like it takes a while for all of these guys, even Andrew Kisner. Like I feel like we're just starting to see what I always thought we'd see out of him uh, when I watched. He's him having a good spring. Yeah, even even defensively. I mean, he threw the ball away like a jackass tonight. Uh, but he, <laughs> uh, but you know, he he he's been really good behind the plate. He looks cleaner. He looks more confident it's because he's coming into his own it takes years for guys to come into their own you know that's to the credit of Yadier Molina it's rare that you see a 21 22 year old come in and uh be as good defensively as he is it's just it's so hard to do it's so very very unique 
but I do. I do think that, uh, you know, I still think Andrew Kisner deserves a chance to prove that he isn't a major league starter for 110 to 120 games a year. Um, and then maybe somewhere down the line, Yvonne Herrera, Yvonne Herrera gets that same, that same chance. Uh, but I, I definitely think that there's a situation next year where you feel really comfortable about Kisner and Herrera splitting time at the major league level uh, with with the idea that one of them could work their way to the, the top while the other one backs up uh, the following year. Um, if, you know, if things all stay the same, if one of those guys doesn't get moved, if, you know, the, the news today was that Kisner is going to get quite a bit more playing time, allegedly, as compared to last year, you know, we could be talking about him taking steps back from what we're seeing in spring and we're talking about needing to address the catching position altogether come the 2023 season if Yachty does indeed retire. I don't think that's going to be the case, but it's always a possibility. Uh, But yeah, look, Herrera has done some really great things defensively. He's the the thing that always, there's two things about the way he catches that really stand out to me. He frames the bottom part of the zone probably as well as anybody in the organization. Uh, It still gets a little sloppy on the corners and uh, whatever. And then he is so tough. Like uh, him and Zay Richard, Zade Richardson are the two catchers in the organization. And you know, Julio Rodriguez is a whole different story because he's professional ready. But uh, Zay defensively, but Zade Richardson and Yvonne Herrera are just next level uh, tough kids. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm trying my hardest to censor myself because I'm, I'm trying to be an adult. But like, I've seen Yvonne Herrera take many a ball to the balls, right? And <laughs> I mean that. And he just, you know, and it's because he's doing his job. He's getting down. He's he's doing everything he can to keep the ball in front of him. He's moving to his side. He's taking foul tips. And he is just, he shakes it off. He gets back at it. Zayn Richardson is the same way. So is Julio Rodriguez. But he's like, he's mentally tough. He's physically tough. And talking with some minor league pitchers, they feel comfortable throwing to him. Uh, they like throwing to him. And again, there's still there's still some issues there. Sometimes his pop time gets lazy. Sometimes his arm gets slow. It's almost like he's overloading to throw to second specifically instead of just whipping and letting it go, trusting the mechanics out of the, the pop. Um, but yeah, look, he. I don't have a reason to think that with the right amount of time uh, and the right amount of reps that he isn't going to be defensively ready as a major league catcher. So I was going to test you and ask you about an obscure player, and that player was going to be Zade Richardson. <laughs> and 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 Zade Richardson. Beat you to it. Yeah, Zade Richardson is a uh, drafted out of Wabash Valley College in Southern Illinois. It's where I used to teach. Uh, oh, cool. At, at Wabash Valley. Yeah, and uh, Kyle Peach, who's on our show every now and then, he is a uh, teacher there and in charge of broadcasting there. So Zade, I've reached out to, and Zade's going to be on our podcast um, in in the next few weeks. Um, so I was going to ask you about him and specifically, you know, have some details on that. But then you got to it and I smirked. I'm like, wow, he actually I mean, he's he's not BSing. He actually knows everything about all these players. But my other question is, based on that, where does Ali Sanchez fit into this? Right. Isn't he like the next guy up? I think he was just option today, oh, wasn't he? Right. But like in if they needed another catcher, he's the one that would be up right now. Right. Can we talk about Zay Richardson some more? Yes, 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 please, please. When when he posted that picture on his Instagram of he and Yachty, I was like, "Holy smokes, he's you know learning from Yachty and Molina." Like that's awesome. And I reached out to him like, "Hey, you know, I got to get you on the show." And he's like, "Yeah, no problem." So yeah, he'll be with us in a couple weeks. That's great. Now he's like he's a great kid. He comes from a great family, and uh, he's another again. He's super tough. Uh, there, you know, I know I know he's taken a lot from Yachty, which is positive. Um, 
there are a lot of, again, catching position so tough, and there's just some consistency issues there. But he has a super short swing from the right side that reminds me a lot of my my favorite player, this guy right here, Ray Langford. Um, it's, it's similar to that on the right-hand side, and it's a quick swing with a lot of power. He just needs to cut down on strikeouts to maybe let that bat uh, be a little bit more impressive than the 180 batting average that he put up last year, which doesn't really tell the full story when you've watched him night after night. Uh, so good, you know, you're gonna be, you're gonna have a good kid on the podcast, and I can't wait to listen to that. But uh, in regards to Ali Sanchez, you know, Ali's probably 29 at this point, 28 at this point. Uh, you know, out of the Mets organization. Uh, I think that Ali Sanchez is exactly what the Cardinals have had all, throughout the years as that go-between between, you know, AAA and major leagues. He's He is he's depth. You know, he's that guy that if Yachty gets hurt, then you feel comfortable with him as the backup. If kids get hurt, then you feel comfortable with him as the backup. He's done some really impressive things, especially in the second half with Memphis last year at the plate. Uh, and you can, you know, he's, he's had a little bit of success with the major leagues, specifically with the Cardinals. I think he's two for four with two doubles or something like that. But he is just, he's a really solid major league, minor league depth option who, if a couple catchers got hurt in Kiz and Yachty, then, and he had to be there for 10 games, you'd be like, all right, that's fine. Can somebody get healthy really quick? But it's fine. So, uh, yeah, I think that's Alex Sanchez's spot more than anything. I think it's I think uh, for all of us that aren't into the minor league stuff so much, we forget that all these aren't all these guys aren't kids. That these aren't the next this is not the next guy up. I mean, you know, they're in AAA, there's a bunch of old dudes too that will at some point get their opportunity to fill in in some in-depth pieces. So I think that's important for people that, you know, we really don't understand that that there's 30-year-olds in the in AAA that still can sometimes get their shot, you know, because of injuries. Yeah. I wanted to say I wanted to say too. Last thing on Yvonne Herrera. Uh, one thing with with him that struck me, and, and just your thoughts. Uh, I'm curious. He had 17 home runs last year, 98 games, which most of that was in Double A, right? He only got he only got one one start, one game in Memphis at the end of the season. Now a lot of the counting stats weren't there. He only hit 231. Um, the slugging OPS weren't super high, but I mean Yachty, you know. I don't think he was hitting 15, 20, 25 home runs or anything like that in the minors. Do you think Yvonne's pop? Do you think that he's going to have a little more pop than we've seen from the catching position if, if that power plays in the majors? I think there's more to come. Uh, I might be in the minority, but I think there's more to come. I think Yvonne is that kind of a crux in, in his approach. I think that, you know, last year he took – there were two things about the way that Yvonne uh, Herrera took plate appearances last year. One was that it always seemed – like he was trying to work counts. Like he went up there every at bat, uh, like, all right, I'm going to take the first pitch. I'm going to try to maybe get myself in a bad count and I'm going to see how to work my way out of it. I'm going to see what I can do in it. Uh, and at the same time, you could see he was swinging harder and maybe trying to uncork on some pitches. Uh, and, you know, he had like a near 350 on base percentage and that 240 ish batting average to go along with those 17 home runs. But I, especially late in the year when I started catching on to what was going on, you would, you'd be able to tell when he wanted to turn on the aggressiveness and he started hitting like first pitch home runs. Uh, and it dawned on me that that's part of his progression. That's part of him understanding hitting in counts uh, and how he's being approached within a series. So I think there's there's reason to expect, and again, you never know with catchers because of how brutal that catching position is. 
it's it, I, I hate to keep saying the same words over and over again, but the catching position is so brutal that you just never know how it's going to work out. But with, with health, I definitely think there's a, a reasonable explanation that it all works out for him offensively. That batting average goes up, uh, which coincides with a, uh, uh, a decrease in his strikeout rate. Like he struck, he struck out like 22% of the time last year. Um, I, I think that you could see it dropping down to uh, 18 to 19 on a regular basis, which means his batting average probably goes up 10%, uh, you know, 10 points, like 250 on a regular basis uh, with that, that 15 to 20 home run pop. Like um, it's probably not a fair comp. Again, I, I always try to keep the comps in-house, but since the Cardinals have only had one catcher for 45 years, uh, I, I'm not going to be able to help you out there. Uh, like the first thing that comes to my mind, and I I want to, I also want to say that, like I say this, I haven't watched him like every night, night in and night out, so I can't say, but like there's a little bit of like a Jan Gomes quality to Yvonne Herrera, uh, where, you know, maybe, maybe Kurt Suzuki, something like that, uh, where you could see him blossoming into that type of player. Awesome. Yeah. Um, kind of switching a little bit more of the pitching because I feel like we haven't gotten too we much. Haven't. We haven't gotten too much into the pitching yet. But one of the guys you mentioned um, a little bit earlier was the lefty, um, Connor Thomas, right? Yes. He's still, I don't think he's in yet. And I've seen him a few appearances. He, he looked really impressive. If the Cardinals wanted to carry three lefties, he might be one of the first options, do you think? I would. That's. Uh, I'm kind of bummed that he isn't get he hasn't been given the opportunity at that fifth starter spot. Now they paid Verhagen and uh, they Aaron Brooks like they're going to get they're going to get the first crack and it looks like it's going right. to be Verhagen and it really isn't even a crack or whatever but yeah uh, I think that if you were to bring Connor Thomas up right now he'd play such a valuable role potentially that you'd have a lot of trouble putting him back down. Uh, he's a poised kid with uh uh a metrics appropriate spin on his sinker fastball and slider. Um, uh, and with a changeup that's developing, he can work outside on righties. He gets a lot of ground balls, causes a lot of contact. Um, I could, I could definitely see him, uh, you know, maybe even sticking around other than just being one of the last two, uh, of, you know, 20, the 27th or 28th member of an April roster. I, uh, the issue that I have is that I think his arsenal and I think his mentality is best suited to be a starter. Um, and the reason I think that is, is kind of driven by the fact that last year when he was pitched out of relief, when the Cardinals were trying to like temper his innings, he was, he was not as good or as effective as he was when he was starting. Uh, and plus it, like, he's just that like perfect ideal left-handed starter that, you know, like if, if J.A. J. Happ would have been what he was when the Blue Jays gave him that huge contract those couple of years ago, like he has that potential, you know, uh, maybe not J. Happ last year when you're just hoping that the defense saves it, but uh, it, he's, he has the potential to be a really good, a really solid uh, major league starter who could actually eat some innings and keep that defense moving. So, I've always, like like I mentioned, I think last year he should have been the Cardinals organizational pitcher of the year. Um, he, his batting average against was kind of high. He let up some home runs. You know, he didn't have sexy strikeout numbers. But uh, he was really impressive. And I that's the kind of kid with this type of defense and this type of team that I think would benefit from maybe even being your sixth starter over somebody, you know, somebody like Oviedo or uh, 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 <laughs> Woodford, who I always want to call Westbrook. Yeah. Uh, or, or even Jake Westbrook. <laughs> exactly. I do it every time, man. I do it every time. You think that I don't watch any of these kids ever, but, uh, 
yeah, like I think I'm kind of Libertor in the depth chart. I just think he's more major league polished. If not, you know, he's not he's not as fancy, he's not as aesthetically pleasing, but he's just more polished and ready for it. Yeah, he locates. That was the thing that struck me. It seemed like he locates really well. Yeah, and a deceptive arm angle too. You know, it's not it's not like it's not all smoke and mirrors. It's just it's a quick arm that kind of comes from a weird angle that doesn't have a lot of like load to it. So it's uh it's there's a lot of working there for him. Another guy, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of the right guy. Danny Max talked about him some. I think I've seen him a few times. Is uh, Andre Palante? I think he's yeah. still up, right? He he uh, is. He is. Pretty, he, yeah. He's looked he's impressive, big. and he, and he's got um he it, I mean he was throwing upper nineties. I mean he he's looked pretty impressive this spring as well as well in the relief role. He has a twenty eight hundred RPM curveball and like a twenty four or twenty five hundred RPM slider to go with this fastball that. He's so. over. He he's overthrowing <laughs> to get up to the high nineties. Go on. I'm sorry. No, I said. Did he use some of that sticky stuff to make that happen? Hopefully, no. it's gone now. <laughs> they're, they're ch- I've seen them checking them in the spring training games too, having them take off their hats and stuff. Yeah, they haven't stopped doing it. It's crazy. Um, but, but yeah, no. So uh, he, you know, he's got the high span. He has all those measurables that you would want. Uh, the issue is that even though his fastball spins above average, it's kind of on a weird axis, and it kind of gets hit a little bit. And I, the one thing this spring, and I he just pitched a second ago, and I was kind of watching. Obviously, I was talking with you guys, but uh, I don't know if he was reaching back the same way. But last uh, the, those last couple of appearances he had this spring, the kid was really reaching back, and you could tell that he was trying to get to the velocity. Like he was dipping that arm, you know, he was trying to find the velocity. It wasn't free and easy motion during the season. You know, he'd get up to ninety seven. Uh, live mostly between like 93 and 95, maybe touch 96 uh, perennial, you know, every once in a while. But that's that's kind of when he is vulnerable still because that fastball doesn't have the most life. It's kind of an unusual pitch. So it needs the velocity in order to reach its peak, which probably could be said about any fastball. It's probably just a throwaway line, really. But um, I do worry that, in spring training, he's trying too hard to get to that velocity, straining that arm, straining that body. But uh, the the question with Palante is the same question that I have with one of my favorite picks from the 2021 draft, Gordon Graceffo. It's uh, the, the fifth round draft pick out of Villanova, uh, righty who kind of has a similar profile to Palante. Is how quick is he going to pigeon himself into a relief role? Because, you know, we've seen him be effective here in spring out of a relief role. He's been impressive. He's done some really great stuff. Uh, The Cardinals have starting pitching depth issues as much as they have relief pitching depth issues. And I don't, even though he can reach back and throw 99 miles an hour, A, I don't know if that's the best thing for him. And uh, B, I don't know if that's the best thing for the Cardinals because he does have a starter's arsenal. And he gets a ton of contact and he can keep the ball on the ground. I, I don't know. He Look, he's going to be a major leaguer if he can stay healthy. And, uh, again, for a, a, a fourth-round draft pick, that's about all you – I mean, to be an effective major league relief pitcher or starting pitcher, that's that's a great draft pick. Well, so we're running out of time. Um, so I want to um, just ask you one more question, and then quickly, then you get to anything you want to add and, you know, just plug anything you want. But out of all the guys that are in the in the last few years that have come in, is there any that one that has surprised you that – where their ceiling has gotten them to um, that you didn't expect uh, to get this far? Honestly, Connor Thomas. Uh, it's funny you bring up him. Uh, when I watched him the first time, the Cardinals 
I knew of him a little bit when the Cardinals drafted him. And then when he was pitching for State College, I went back and watched some of his Georgia Tech footage. And I was almost 100% sure that that kid was a loogie. You know, he was fastball slider, but his fastball was 87, 88. You know, the slider had good motion, but it was from a different angle. Uh, and he could only get lefties out. And 2020 happened. And then when he came back in 21, 2021, uh, you watched it almost immediately. You could see it happen almost immediately that he had cleaned up his mechanics. He had cleaned up his arm slot and that his all of his stuff was spinning. Uh, so it was uh, it was really, really impressive to see that. And uh, so he's one that comes to mind. I, I yeah, he's one that comes to mind. Um, Hennessy Cabrera, I kind of always believe in. Yeah, just like that, that'd be the first one that come to my mind. And he's he's not really there. I thought I thought Lane Thomas would be a good fourth, third outfielder. I thought Justin Justin Williams would be well when they first traded for him. I hated it. I thought he was bad, but then he saw the mechanical adjustments he made, and he was hitting the ball hard. And you're like, okay, I could see this being a, a fourth or fifth outfielder, uh, maybe a, a third outfielder with two other really good outfielders. Um, you know, I've been I've definitely been wrong along the ways with a lot of. A lot of pitchers, a lot of minor league pitchers, specifically like minor league relievers. Like I think about Evan Sisk, uh, who I was really on board with. I hated that the Cardinals traded him in the uh, – that would have been the J-Hap deal. I hated that. Uh, that was just here, take this prospect and uh, pay Hap's contract so that we don't have to. Uh, and that kind of bummed me out because I think – I think uh, I thought Evan Sisk had a chance to be like a really good relief pitcher, but he fizzled out once he left the, the organization. Um, you know, th- there's been times – where I've definitely been wrong. Uh, I'm trying to just quickly like go over the the players uh, in the organization at the major league club right now. And, you know, I think when we all first saw Devin, Delvin rather, we all thought that Delvin was going, I mean, yeah, there was a reason that he fell other than the PEDs. He was just or the whole HGH because it was human growth hormone. It wasn't performance enhancing drugs. Uh, other than the HGH, he was just so skinny. And yeah, the rumor was he couldn't put weight on. And we all knew that, but you could see just a slappy contact tool with a quick twitch and some super athleticism in the field. So, you know, you, you could see it all kind of playing out um, and potentially playing out well and like envision it and envision it. And it was easy to envision. Uh, so I, I, you know, I love that pick. I still love that pick. But um, yeah, like those are just a couple of names that come to my mind. I, I will still die on the hill that Ryan Helsley should be in the starting rotation and Dakota Hudson should be in the bullpen. That's something I will, I will, that's a hill I will die on until the day, I, until I actually die uh, or maybe both in the starting rotation now. But yeah, that's, that's one of those, those where I, I remember as they were both coming up, I kept saying, Helsley's your starter, Hudson's your relief pitcher. Helsley's your starter, Hudson's your relief pitcher. But of course it worked out the other way. Awesome, man. Well, Hey, look, we, we lost Ryan. We ran out of battery on his, on his tablet there. So uh, we lost him on the stream. But thanks for doing this, man. We appreciate the time. And I, we're going to have to do this again more this season. I know you watch so many of the games throughout the year. There'll be more guys. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about Jordan Walker as he continues his ascent. Um, Juan Yapez as well and Gorman and all these guys. So it's going to be an exciting season. I'm from near the, the Memphis area. I've got my Memphis Redbirds uh, hoodie on tonight. So if you're around the Memphis area, you're going to have a reason to go to Redbirds games this year with Yapez. Gorman, Herrera, Liberator. I mean, so many guys. That team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So, Kyle, I appreciate it, man. Um, again, if you're not following Kyle, that's Kyle R416 on Twitter. Uh, give him a follow. Give Birds on the Black a follow. 
uh, Cardinals gifs as well. I know, obviously, in all of your articles, you just incredible. With the, he's one of those guys you have to be following throughout the season. I mean, I, I've I've gotten game recaps just from following Cardinals gifs without even looking at the MLB.com app. So all those guys at Birds on the Black are fantastic, and we appreciate the time, man. And we'll definitely do it again soon if you're willing. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Anytime you want to talk, let me know, and we'll try to make something work. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Everybody, thanks for joining us. We'll be back again, I'm sure, next week. Um, uh, Ryan's going to be at opening day, and I'll be at the Saturday game. So we're, we're excited to get back at Bush and see the season going. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Let me just leave. Should I go ahead and X out or –